Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. I give a rat's ass about Twitter. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, I'm uh, looking at my iPhone here, and I've got a new wallpaper. Do you know what it is? Uh, is it something from Bedlam Saturday night? It's me and my dad at the game at the final buzzer as people are storming the field, giving two thumbs up, and dad's rocking his swinging Pete hat and his OSU hoodie that my mom got him. I'm rocking my new swinging Pete uh, pullover, and uh, we both got giant grins on our faces because ever since that night, Colby, all is right in, uh, in my world, in your world, and certainly everyone listening to this podcast world. It is a good week to be a cowboy. I mean, it's always a good week to be a cowboy, but this week, especially it just, there's something a little extra about it. So that's a, a nice little wallpaper to remind you of, I mean, what will go down as one of the greatest nights in the history of Oklahoma state football. It's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. It, it really is. Uh, we got so much to get into with the college football playoff. We've got guys coming back in droves on defense that, uh, you know, we kind of have understood that, Oh, she'd be losing a ton on defense. That might not be the case, according to Mike Gundy and some players tweeting some things. We'll get into that. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And as we're taping this game, Oklahoma State basketball is playing Wichita State. I was trying to get up there tonight for this game, but I wasn't able to. And if I had, I would have stopped by Chris's and picked up some more uh, – OSU basketball gear, because basketball season is rapidly approaching. It's here, obviously, but you and I, Colby, are going to break down mostly football. But I can't wait to get up there and go to a game. And as I'm looking at this screen right now, my boy and rocking a really cool, like, pullover, like, quarter zip. Like, I love, Colby, that coaches now don't have to wear, like, lug like luxury designer suits as they sweat coaching a basketball game. They get to rock in comfort. And I'm sure Chris's could hook people up with some similar wear that Mike Boynton has. Yeah, no doubt. Got to look good to go to the basketball games. I mean, you got to live up to the standard that Coach B is setting on the sidelines. So, uh, yeah, decent little game going on tonight between Wichita State. Kind of a low-scoring first half, but it happens from time to time in college basketball. Dude, they're going to get zoned to death this year, aren't they? Oh, it's going to be zone on top of zone on top of zone. Like, I know Keelan, they just put Keelan Boone in, and he hit a three, which I thought he did a good job of last year. But, man, just – the, the book is out on, on OSU hoops. They are freak athletes. They're freakish in the open court and the fast break. But it's people are more and more people are running that one three one zone against them, just daring them to shoot threes. And it's pretty ugly offensively, but they are up at this point uh, early in the first half. But let's get to football, Colby. Uh, any, any lingering thoughts before we get into the college football playoff rankings that are out from, from Bedlam? I have a few. I guess I'll start. I'll, I want to get your take on it. Just any lingering thoughts from Bedlam and we, we discussed a lot about how much you were, you were uh, chugging Sooner Tears. And I, I just, I thought I heard, a, I heard a really good take from, from Teddy Lehman, you know, needs no introduction, won the Bednarik and the Buckus Award as a linebacker at Oklahoma. Now as the color analyst uh, for the radio broadcast, does a really good podcast with Gabe Iker. I want to give them a shout out. The Oklahoma Breakdown's a really good OU podcast. I like to listen to their perspective on things. And certainly when Bedlam came around, I wanted to hear their perspective on what all went down on, on Saturday. And I thought Teddy was so fair, like on the, on the late game interception, he was like, look, it's like a basketball game. The last, the last shot of an NBA game. And there's an offensive rebound up for grabs. It's a melee. That's how he kind of viewed the, the last second pass interference, no call. But the most important take he had Colby was he really kind of ripped OU for how soft they are on special teams and the lack of emphasis they put on it. They don't put their best players out there, frankly. And he said, Colby, that OSU set the tone for the game on kickoff return when, or I'm sorry, kick coverage when they ran down the field and absolutely mollywhopped OU in the face and just knocked them to the ground. They did the same thing on kick return. And then we all know what happened with Brennan Presley and then OU had to do some pooch kicks. But he made a point that OSU won the game on their defense and on special teams, they set the tone from the get-go. And I thought that was a really good way to sum up, despite all the calls and referee decisions, that's what won the game. And, and even Teddy, who I think is very fair, uh, made a really good point, I thought. 
Yeah, I mean, far and away, the most overlooked aspect of football is special teams. We just take it for granted. I mean, guy's going to kick a punt. You're going to fair catch it. You'll get a few return yards here, a few return yards there. You, you make your field goals inside 40 yards, outside 40 yards. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. And we just kind of take it for granted. Oklahoma State wasn't taking it for granted on Saturday night. It was hard hitting on kickoff return. Oh, you tried to bring it out a couple of times. They were getting back to the 13. I mean, they were having to go 84, 86, 87 yards. Uh, it's like I had a, a friend who's an OU fan text me the other day and is like, well, I, I guess the better team didn't win. Looked like OU outgained them by 70 yards. I'm like, well, okay. Oklahoma State had a 102-yard kickoff return and was regularly starting at its own 40-yard line instead of its own 13-yard line. So, yeah, if you just want to throw out special teams and count total yards, sure. If you want to look at the box score, you can do that. But, um, yeah, Carson, I guess there's just not enough hours in the day to coach special teams whenever you're having to fly to L.A. and back. Boy, um, yeah, let's get in. Let's get we'll, – we'll get into that. It's been a hell of a week, man. It's been a hell of a week. Let's just could Lincoln Riley be more of a snake? I mean, he he's entering Kevin Durant status, is he not? Originally, I thought that those comparisons were a little crazy because I'm like, okay, it, he would have had to have gone to like Alabama. Me too. Me to too. Be, to be in Kevin Durant territory, because I'm like, KD went to the team they lost to, went to the Warriors, and it was just easy. I mean, Lincoln Riley's taken over a five and seven football team, so the parallels there aren't quite the same. But as far as just like stone cold betrayal, at first I was like, look, he took another job. Can you really blame him for that? And then the more and more that comes out, the more and more that it seems that he was recruiting for USC on OU's dime and might have other guys doing it as well. And it's just, it's gotten really nasty the past couple of days with the whole Lincoln Riley saga. And, you know, it is what it is. The, the funniest thing I will say to me all this week is everybody's like, uh, you know, making a, a whole big deal about, well, you know, you walk in the living room, you, you look these kids in the eye. It's like, this is not the first time in the history of college football <laughs> that a coach went from one school to another. It's just the first time that it's happened to you, OU fans. Every year, double-digit coaches in college football leave one school and go to another. And all the kids whose living rooms they stood in are now left in limbo waiting to see who the next head coach is. But guess what? In modern college football, those kids are not totally out of luck and out of options the way they used to be because commits can just decommit and commit somewhere else, and the transfer portal exists. So, I mean, yeah, there's some deceit there, but it's not the first time in the history of college football a coach has moved jobs in the offseason. Well, and I, I will give the Sooner fans a little bit of benefit of the doubt. This is their first coaching search and first time a coach has just left them high and dry. Uh, since 1946 is the first time since a coach left them for another college job, technically. And that was the coach right before Bud Wilkinson. And it's the first real coaching search right going on right now since before Bob Stoops. I mean, Bob Stoops was the last coaching search back in 1998. So they're, they're not used to coaching searches in general. They're certainly not used to their coach lying to their faces that, you know, Lincoln is – and I've always thought this about Lincoln Riley. Now that I don't work in the media, I can just say it. The guy's full of crap. He treats people like crap. He thinks he is God's gift to, to college football. And I think he started to read his own press clippings about how he was the quarterback whisperer and all those things. But, man, I thought Bob Stoops was tough to deal with in the media. Lincoln Riley makes Bob Stoops look like Pat Jones and Pat Jones used to drive Bob Brady Jr. around on a golf cart around practice and show him who, who was playing well and who was on the team and all the like during practice. And just the more that comes out about this Colby, the more you wonder how much Lincoln had already come to terms with USC. I mean, it was mysterious that USC fired their coach in September and no candidates at all were mentioned ever since. It's almost as if like, cause what was the rush? They brought Clay Helton back just to fire him two or three games in. It, Lincoln Riley might have been the head coach of USC since September, and I, I wanted to throw something at the TV when Lincoln Riley was sitting up there with, with Scott Van Pelt going, oh, they just called me Saturday night, Sunday morning. This all came together so fast. Yeah, Lincoln, I, I'm, sure this, I'm sure you convinced your family to move to L.A. in like 15 minutes. It, it takes longer to buy a car than, it, than according to Lincoln Riley it took to take the USC job. The guy – the more that comes out about them, Colby, or about him, the more he just looks like a shyster. And and look, I know, I know when when he leaves, a lot of OU fans are just going to start dogging him because they're they're upset. And I I certainly understand that. But let's face it, Colby, 
OU got a little got got really soft under Lincoln Riley. I mean, when the going got tough in second halves, they got pushed around. Baylor ran the ball down their throat and basically bullied them. OSU in the second half bullied Oklahoma. I mean, OSU was the big boy on the block for the first time in a long time, maybe ever, against OU in Stillwater on Saturday. And I know Lincoln Riley can recruit. I know they were, you know, glitz and glam and all of those things. But, man, uh, I, think, I think Lincoln Riley is starting. His true colors have really shown in, in this. And, and OU is kind of in disarray right now trying to figure out who their next coach is going to be, which I think is a good thing for Oklahoma State. Yeah, absolutely it is. It's, it's very beneficial to Oklahoma State because it doesn't actually look now like, oh, you might be going to the SEC this offseason. It might be next offseason. We don't know. want to hang around a little longer now. <laughs> uh, again, this, this muddies the waters as far as whenever they head to the SEC, and your guess is as good as mine as to when that happens uh, because it's gotten a little, little weird over the last couple of weeks on that front. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma State was the much more physical team, not only Saturday night, all season. I mean, Oklahoma State legitimately, I, I say this with no hyperbole, all year long, start to finish, 1st of September to end of November, Oklahoma State was the best team in the state. And I, there wasn't really ever any doubt about it. I mean, early in the season there was. But once we had a good idea as to what these teams were made of, it's like, oh, yeah, Oklahoma State's the best team in the state. Um, and that turned out to be true. It's, it's funny, you see after Saturday night, all, all the Oklahoma State celebration, the billboards going up and stuff. You see, you know, some tweets from OU fans. Wow, act like you've been there before. And I kind of want to say the same thing about the, the coaching search, but they haven't been there before. And that's probably why they're behaving in, honestly, kind of a, a childish manner because they haven't been through this before. It's our entire existence, Carson, as Oklahoma State fans, is pain. It is pain. And as soon as you think something's good, good is going to happen, guess what's waiting around the corner? More pain. And OU has a bad 48 hours, and they are broken to their core in Norman. And I get it because they don't have to go through stuff like this. This, Like, Oklahoma is above all this. And their fans know that forever they have been above all this, and they don't like the fact that they're having to swim around in the same murky waters as everybody else. It's, it's honestly been kind of fascinating to watch throughout the week. No, you're right. And th th this is just uncharted territory uh, for them. And I mean, for Oklahoma State, Colby, it's just, I, I do think like there's people out there that think Oklahoma is not going to play in the big 12 next year. They just released the schedules for 2022. Like there, there's certain people in the media I, I know that, that think Oklahoma is just going to bounce to the SEC. Like that's not happening. The big 12, if you got to pay $80 million to stick around. And so I don't know who they're going to hire Colby, um, but they've lost a ton of recruits and certainly in 2023, but they're also losing them in 2022. They're also losing players to the transfer portal. I'm kind of surprised they haven't hired anyone yet. Uh, just to stem the tide of that. If you were Joe Castiglione, who would you hire? And as an OSU guy, who do you kind of fear the most them hiring kind of a two-parter for you? Uh, I didn't prep you for it all. No, that's fine. I've, I've been thinking about this and having these conversations just like we all have. I mean, that's the topic of conversation right now in the state of Oklahoma. So I've been having these conversations for three days. My prediction, and I predicted this earlier in the week, longer it goes on, the less confident I feel in this prediction. I thought it was going to be Venables. On Sunday when the news breaks, and then we get into Monday, I just kind of thought Venables was a natural fit. It's time for him to be a head coach. I understand why he hasn't become a head coach yet. People are like, oh, he has no desire to be a head coach. He, he just wants to be the D.C. at Clemson forever. I'm like, is that the case? Or has he been getting offered the head coaching job at places that really aren't that desirable, that aren't more desirable for him specifically than the OU head coaching job? The OU head coaching job would be much more desirable, I would think, to him than the Clemson D.C. job but he might not be their guy. There was a rumor floating, floating around earlier today that Matt Rule and Joe Brady might both come. That's the one that would have terrified me most as an Oklahoma State fan because those dudes can flat out coach, and that could have turned into something pretty quick. Uh, but Dan Feldman came on and shut that down. I, I trust Dan Feldman. He does a phenomenal job. As far as the other rumors that are floating out there, I think the one that was would, Feldman. Is, what did I say? You said Dan Feldman. Did I say Dan Feldman? I don't Who's know Dan? who Dan is. Is that his uh, uglier, younger cousin? I've done that plenty of times on this podcast, so continue. Yeah, it's got to be what it is. Um, I think the one that would scare me most as an Oklahoma State fan would be Luke Fickle. I think he's a really good coach. 
Um, and the fact that they haven't done anything yet tells me that they might be waiting to see what happens this weekend and to see what happens on Sunday with the college football playoff rankings. Uh, now, I know that Notre Dame is open, and Luke Fickle might rather go to Notre Dame. But if you're asking me who scares me of the realistic candidates for Oklahoma, I think, assuming Matt Rule and Joe Brady are off the table, I think it's probably Luke Fickle. I'll start right there. That's who I'm most afraid of, too. I was on the Sports Animal back in April uh, filling in – or, I'm sorry, it was last December. That's how long ago this was. One year ago. About one year ago, yeah. I was on the Sports Animal filling in for Craig Humphreys on the, the morning show from uh, 9 to noon. I was on with Pat Jones, and, and during the commercial break, I can't remember what brought it up. I think we were just – I think we we're there was probably coaching searches back then, I'm sure. And I brought up to Pat unannounced – during a commercial break, just kind of who I thought was the next kind of big time guys. And I brought up Luke fickle. I was like, I think he is kind of the next quote unquote urban Meyer type without all the riffraff and all the trouble urban Meyer's gone on off the field. I'm just talking like pure winner, like the next big thing in, in coaching. I brought him up and you could almost hear the glee in Pat Jones's voice when he, he confirmed that he's heard from a lot of people that Luke Fickle is absolutely big time. And he's a huge fan of Luke Fickle. So that's who I would fear the most. That's who I would hire if I was Joe Castiglione. And I, I think that's why they brought Bob Stoops on as the interim. I mean, to coach the bowl. I mean, of course you need somebody to coach the bowl game because their staff's like half gone and half rated from USC. They had a, they had a defensive backs coach named Roy Manning, apparently in the car with Bob Stoops while he was recruiting other kids to USC, which is just, it's an NCAA violation for Lincoln Riley and USC, and it's just a complete disaster. I would love to have been a fly on the wall when Bob Stoops found that out while he was, like, driving and doing planes, trains, and automobiles on the recruiting trail. But uh, that's that's who I would fear the most. Um, what was the first well, part of my question? Well, well, let me interrupt you here real fast and just let you know, uh, Luke Fickle will not be taking the Notre Dame job because it is filled. As we record, Bruce Feldman, not Dan Feldman, Bruce Feldman tweets, Notre Dame defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman is expected to become the next head coach at Notre Dame. Oh, and, and I, I thought Marcus Freeman was going to start popping up on some lists for Oklahoma. I mean, he is big time. Yeah. 35 years old, uh, up and coming defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. I think that's a good hire for Notre Dame, although I, I would have tried to get Fickle. Maybe that you, Colby, don't you think they reached out to Fickle and he said, no, thanks. Uh, maybe they did, or I don't, I don't know. Maybe they love Marcus Freeman. The, all the words might be their Lincoln Riley. Honestly, he might be all the word out of South Bend this week is like Marcus Freeman is the man. So I don't know. Maybe that's who just who they wanted. But now you ask yourself about Luke fickle. He has said that his dream jobs are Ohio state and, um, Notre Dame. He's at Cincinnati right now, which is coming into a power five conference. NFL teams are going to come after Ryan day at that Ohio state. Does he go to Oklahoma? Does he hang out at Cincinnati and wait for Ohio State to come open if he thinks Ryan Day might take an NFL job? I, again, your guess is as good as mine. It's all, it's all gotten very weird this week. No, and I'm pretty sure Bob Stoops has probably reached out to Luke Fickle and said, hey, look, once upon a time, I wanted to go to Notre Dame, but I, I took the Oklahoma job, and it's a better job than Notre Dame. I'm sure he's putting all the – I'm sure he's putting the sales pitch on that for sure. But uh, the timing, like, I don't know if they can wait out Luke Fickle. Can, can they wait? Like, what if they make the playoff? Are they going to be able to, is Luke Fickle going to abandon his team like Brian Kelly did to go to LSU, which is a total, that guy is a bad dude. He's, he's a terrible, terrible human being is, is all I've ever heard about the guy. And I think his move to, to LSU back that up, but. Uh, what was the first part of my question? I already forgot. Okay, who I fear the most is Luke Fickle. You said you said who would who would Joe see hire? I think that's what it was. It was I just think, who would Joe I hire? think it's going. I think he's going to hire Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator of Georgia. I think he is Bob Stoops 2.0. He's 35 years old. He's defensive coordinator at Georgia. He recruits like a madman. He's learned from some really good coaches and in the SEC. They're going to the SEC. He's recruited in the SEC. Ven the ship might have sailed on Venables. And I, I think they would be I think Venables would be a good hire with the right offensive coordinator involved. I think Venables is ready. And I'm with you. Like it's so overblown that Venables hasn't taken a head coaching job. It's like guys, he's making two million dollars a year at Clemson. He's not taking the Kansas State head coaching job, even though he played there. Like he's waiting on a blue blood and one's a call in, I think. But 
I don't think if it was going to be Venables, I think he would have been hired already by now. So I'm going to go with Dan Lanning. Yeah, I if it was Venable, surely it'd be done by now. But anyway, I'm glad that news broke while we were recording instead of right after we were done, like it usually As does. Usual, so, yeah. yeah. Notre Dame for not making that decision an hour from now. Well, and and I'm sure people listening are like, why are they breaking down the OU coaching search? I, I think that's a huge deal because OU is going to be in the Big 12 next year, and I think they're going to be in the Big 12 the year after that. After that, who yeah. knows? And now I don't think they're going to be a huge rush with all the transition they're going to be going through, all the players they've lost. They're not going to be in as big a hurry to get to the OSCC, I don't think. So I think it's an important deal for OSU, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the reality is whenever you're talking about Oklahoma State, it's impossible to have that macro conversation without recognizing that Oklahoma moves the needle in this state. Oklahoma out-recruits Oklahoma State. Uh, You know, forever, Oklahoma State has been little brother, and it kind of seems like Oklahoma State's working its way up to where they might be getting almost as tall as Big Brother. And things are going wrong in Norman, and they're trying to put the pieces back together. So depending how this goes for Oklahoma, depending who they bring, who, what recruits he brings with them, how many of the recruits that they lose to USC, I mean, the direct impact that this could have on Oklahoma State is that let's say OU's in the Big 12 for two more years. And again, we're just guessing. Let's say they're in the Big 12 for two more years. I mean, if Oklahoma State beats them the next two years and wins a couple more conference championships, I mean, what is happening this week could be laying the groundwork for OU to have a couple of – semi-down years in what will be their last couple of years in the conference. No, and and again, I, th- I think it's important to look ahead to next year. I, OSU is probably the favorite to win the Big 12 next year after what all's gone on at Oklahoma. I mean, I, I believe that. Now, if, if Caleb Williams comes back to Oklahoma, but it, it, it certainly could be an argument, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a great time to be an OSU fan, that's for sure, but uh, let's get to the college football playoff rankings. You know, Colby, right as we sit here today, recording on a Wednesday night, Oklahoma State has the fifth best odds to win the national championship. What what would you have said after two games this season? <laughs> this is incredible that Oklahoma State had twelve to one odds to win the national championship. What if if I told you that after two games this season? What would you have said, Carson? I love doing this podcast with you. It's an absolute blast. If you would have told me that two games into the season, I would have, I would have shut, I would have left the zoom. I'd have turned my mic off and I'd have went on about my day. I'd have been like, look, if we're not going to have serious conversations, then I'm just not even going to give it the time of day because the idea after two games this season that Oklahoma state could make the college football playoff. And depending on how the rankings work out could maybe even win a game in the college football playoff would have been one of the most asinine sports takes you've ever heard in your entire life. I was much more worried about them getting the six wins than I was to 12 wins after weeks one and two of the season. So, it, I, I mean, you just couldn't have even entertained the conversation at that point. It has been a whirlwind 10 weeks. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And people are still coming after me a little bit on Twitter uh, for, for being so down on Gundy through two games. And again, I, I, I've already stated his record over the last four years. Like it was a fair take, but it's a remarkable where they, they sit currently. And I, Colby, I don't know about you. Like, you know, I was getting tweets before the playoff show going, I can't wait for Gary Barta to just say some complete nonsense about Oklahoma state, but Hey, OSU comes in at number five, their highest ranking ever since the institution of the college football playoff. Um, It appears they've already passed Notre Dame who lost their head coach. Thank you, Brian Kelly. That's not going to be an argument. Even if uh, the idea that the Notre Dame helmet was going to be a concern, I think is out. They're not going to put a team in there without a head coach. And if, and before anyone replies and says, well, that doesn't matter. They're still the same team. That totally matters. It's like when Kenyon Martin broke his leg and and Cincinnati was undefeated and they got a two seed. Like their most important piece isn't there. And I'm sorry, Brian Kelly is the most important piece in Notre Dame. They don't have a bunch of superstars on their team. He's the most important piece. So Notre Dame's out and Colby, it appears if OSU beats Baylor on Saturday, they are in the college football playoff. The, the, the road has cleared for me. I think now if Alabama beats Georgia, it's going to come down to them and Cincinnati and whatever happens with Michigan as well. But I, I hesitate to say this with how ludicrous and how, how little respect Oklahoma state has gotten all year from the talking heads, from the playoff committee, Gary Barta 
clearly didn't didn't even watch the Big 12 champion or didn't even watch Bedlam because he said that basically the winner got to go to the Big 12 championship game. No, Gary, they were already in. Oklahoma State was already in the Big 12 championship game. You clearly don't pay attention, but that's another story. It appears, Colby, they're in if they win. It There is a scenario in which they win and get left out. And for the record, if there's one school today that I'm just really pissed at, it is Auburn. Auburn had that game won. Oh, you're right. Had Auburn finished it off, guess where Oklahoma State would have been ranked last night? Four. It would have been Michigan, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State at two, three, four. Now, instead of that being the case, there is a scenario that exists in which Alabama beats Georgia, so they now both make it into the college football playoff. Michigan beats Iowa, and Cincinnati beats Houston by 50, and Oklahoma State beats Baylor by a field goal. And the committee says, you know what? Cincinnati looked dominant, recency bias. That's the last thing we've seen. Boom, Cincinnati's in at four. That is the scenario that would make me, and I'm assuming everyone listening to this pod, absolutely lose their mind. And I'm not 100% convinced that Alabama will not win Saturday against Georgia. It's a great Georgia team. It's a great Georgia defense. But Alabama is undoubtedly the more desperate team in that situation. Alabama doesn't win. Their season is over. Yes, I know that they would go to some New Year's Six Bowl game. They don't care about that in Tuscaloosa. Alabama is playing for its season on Saturday. Georgia isn't. Georgia is in. Georgia loses 35-7. to Georgia is in. So the desperation that Nick Saban's Alabama team will be playing with gives me cause for concern as, as far as us just assuming that Georgia is going to win that game. Now, if what is supposed to happen happens, Oklahoma State takes care of business as does Cincinnati, Michigan, and Georgia, then yes, Oklahoma State is in. But those rankings on Sunday would still be very, very crucial because in that scenario, you would still have to jump Cincinnati and get up to three so that you could play Michigan in round one because I think Oklahoma State-Michigan would be a phenomenal game that could go right down to the wire. I do not feel the same about Oklahoma State and Georgia. That's no knock against Oklahoma State. I'm just, this Georgia defense is, Carson, if you doubled the number of points Georgia's given up this season, they would still lead the nation in scoring defense by like two touchdowns. It's remarkable what they've done through 12 games. So hopefully they take care of business against Bama. But even if they do, you really want to jump Cincinnati and get to three. That's best case scenario. I am so in on Jim Harbaugh looking completely perplexed as Jim Knowles lights up a stogie in the press box. (laughs) Please give me that matchup. Jim on Jim Crime? I want Harbaugh's head on a spike. I want the Big Ten's head on a spike. That would be the perfect matchup for me, Colby, because people think the Big Ten invented football, and they're not any good. Ohio State got boat raced by an average Michigan team. I, okay, Michigan looked pretty good. I'll give them credit yeah, for running the football. Average. They're above average. I know. They are. But they're, they're the rest of that conference really is hot garbage actually freezing cold garbage because once it once we get in november they can't even play games at night in that ridiculous conference that they have up there uh don't get me started how about uh, the no, carson did you see the iowa quarterback whenever he was asked about the big 10 championship i wanted to bring that up oh buddy go ahead he said this isn't gonna be some big 12 game where the quarterback can just sit back there for four and a half seconds and i, I just quote tweeted yesterday i'm like did i think when i woke up this morning that i would hate the iowa quarterback by two o'clock for being stupid no, I didn't, but it's weird. It's a weird world we're living in. The fact that he made that statement whenever, A, their worst offensive performance of the season came against Iowa State, and B, Oklahoma State leads the nation in sacks and tackles for loss. It's just, it, it's mind-numbing to me that this narrative still exists. Is he still living in, like, 2008 when Sam Bradford and Colt McCoy were just lighting up people? Like, what, what world... Well, like the Big 12 is a defensive conference. What is he talking about? The last Big 12 game that he watched must have been Mayfield Mahomes. That had to have been the last Big 12 yes. game that he watched. He hasn't seen one since. Well, someone posted the stats. I'm trying to find them right now. I think he was sacked like a ton of times against Iowa State. You said it was his worst offensive performance, and I, I remember that. Like they just got a – the total. Iowa, Iowa had 173 yards total offense against Iowa State. Less than 200. Like, oh, 
why does Iowa keep trying to trigger me throughout the history of this podcast? I get triggered every year, Colby, when Iowa doesn't play anyone in that conference. They get that soft schedule where they don't play Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, and they go like 10, 11, and 0, and everyone thinks Iowa's good, and they're terrible, and they get just boat raced at the end of the year. Now the Iowa quarterback's trying to trigger me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a calmer person in a day-to-day life. I know you're the one that usually gets fired up. Now I'm the one getting fired up. Uh, yeah, this, honestly, I mean, I got a little fired up on Sunday, but this week it's kind of been just, I've been kicked back. I've had my feet up. I've really been enjoying this week because there's a coaching carousel that has taken over college football. The amount of money that is in college football now, it's, look, college football has been shamanism for a while, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. That, that's just part of it. But the amount of money that's being thrown around now, I think some of the stuff that's happening in the offseason is going to become more and more prevalent. I haven't had much to get fired up about this week. I've been uh, very calm, especially by my standards. It's funny you mentioned that. I've had several friends who are Sooners that I've seen in person say, how you doing? You know, just the comment, how you doing? I kind of, I kind of look at them like Michael Scott, like kind of wide-eyed and go, I- I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. And they kind of, they kind of look at me and they're like, damn it. I'm like, we just, we just won Bedlam for the first time in eons. And you know, one of the handful of times ever. Oh, using a, Total upheaval coaching search. OSU's playing for the Big 12 championship in the Big 12 championship game for the first time with a chance to go to the college football playoff. And they might win a game if they get there. I'm doing I'm doing outstanding. How are you? That's kind of been my response this week. Yeah, I do the golf podcast, the 73rd hole with Sam Humphreys and Taylor Williams. They're both OU guys. So whenever they walked in on Monday, they walked in. The first thing I said, I was like, how was Thanksgiving? Good weekend? Every, everything good? And they both just rolled their eyes. It's like, it's a great week to be an OSU fan because for once, Oklahoma State is on the outside looking in as Oklahoma has a bad week. It's been the opposite forever. Forever it's been the opposite. And now OSU fans, look, OU's going to hire a good coach. OU's still going to be a good program. It's still OU. It's not like this program's going to die because they lose a handful of recruits and a couple of guys transfer. They'll be fine, but nothing can take away the week that we've had as Oklahoma State fans. No, it's been just, just one thing after another, just, it's been, it's been unbelievable, but I will say Bob Stoops, the PR reconnaissance he's done or the PR recovery he's done has been pretty remarkable. Like I couldn't stand Bob covering him. He was, he was never that friendly, but like, it's pretty clear. He's pretty classy guy in terms of just how he operates day to day. And I thought he was pretty big time in that press conference. Just be like, look, we've been winning in football for a hundred years and Lincoln Riley, like whatever, like it's, it's no, it's not my responsibility. It's not Barry Switzer's not his, like we're going to be just fine. And he kind of stemmed the title a little bit, but they are in total upheaval. And that, that's a crucial hire going to the sec. Uh, but again, not anytime soon. Um, Colby Oklahoma state's defense, I, I thought would be losing just about everybody. But, the, you know, the COVID-19 eligibility waiver has really thrown a lot of things in out of whack. You know, you got a bunch of super seniors this year that will not be coming back. Malcolm Rodriguez can't come back. Devin Harper, Christian Holmes. Past those three, pretty much everyone on defense is eligible to come back. That includes Colby Harvell-Peel, Jarek Bernard-Converse, Brock Martin, Tanner McAllister, Israel Antwine, Brennan Evers, Trey Sterling is a big one coming off the injury. Tyron Irby and Sione Asi. So Colby, like I, I was speculating about Jim Knowles just on the last podcast, you know, the timing may be right to, to jump ship, but whew, it appears they could return nearly everyone minus, you know, obviously, you know, the two headliners and Harper and uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. And obviously those guys are going to be monster losses for this defense, but if all those other guys come back I mean, good grief. Yeah. You've got the holes to fill there at linebacker but you still got a hell of a base to work with. I mean, that's just, it, it could just be reload, not rebuild on that side of the ball. And I mean, as long as Jim Knowles is around, I don't know that there will be a rebuild. I think there will be a whole lot of reloading on that side of the ball because the players are the ones executing, no doubt. The players are the ones making the plays. They deserve just all the credit in the world for what they do. But Jim Knowles, he's the one that puts it all together. I mean, we saw Saturday night, 
the chess match between he and Lincoln Riley with all the blitzing in the first half, throwing it up to six foot six tight ends and letting them win jump balls, and then getting pressure with three and four in the second half and making Caleb Williams make decisions. It's the things that he does are pretty special uh, up there from the box. So, um, yeah, I think that this defense is going to be more than fine, but I. I didn't realize, I mean, with the COVID year and everything and red shirts and medical red shirts, I, I guess I didn't even think about the fact that almost all of those guys are still eligible to come back. No, it's, uh, it's remarkable, really. Uh, and that's, that's such a curious rule. I didn't know who was eligible for it or who could possibly come back. But and another thing, Colby, like as great as OSU's defense has been this year, it's so easy to forget they lost Trace Ford. Like – Imagine this defense with most of those guys coming back with Trace Ford on it. Trace Ford was their best defensive player last year. He was making plays all over the field. Like now, of course, you know, back-to-back ACL injuries, we'll have to wait and see. That's going to be a brutal recovery, and I'm sure he's working as hard as he can to come back. But it's kind of crazy to think they lost one of their most dynamic playmakers and have still been arguably the best defense in the country, not named Georgia. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see how you could really argue with that. I mean, there, there are some other good defenses across the country. I mean, we saw what Michigan did to one of the best offenses in the country on Saturday, and I, I do think Michigan has a great defense. Uh, I think Wisconsin and Iowa have good defenses. I don't think that they have great defenses. Uh, I think that, you know, and again, when you watch the game, it's different than whenever you just look at the score because we've seen some stuff on social media this week. It's like, oh, looks like it was another shootout at Bedlam. Where'd those defenses go? It's like, well, nine on a safety and a muff punt, and then they started another drive at the 12-yard line. So if you want to hold that against the defense, you can, but that seems a little silly. So you take those 16 points off the board, that would have OU sitting at 17, which is probably about where we all thought OU was going to be coming into that game. This defense is really, really good, and the the idea of getting Trace Ford back next season, of getting most of your key impact players from this season's defense back, you put Trace Ford on one tackle, Colin Oliver on the other tackle, and we've got problems if we're the offense. No, I mean, Colin Oliver with Trace Ford coming off both edges next year, like just Jim Knowles might light up two stogies at once. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's – that's so exciting for next year. And, and that's before we, Colby, we even get to, you know, Spencer Sanders coming back with all the receivers. And I, look, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let, let's talk about, look, we'll have plenty of time to discuss next year with who's coming back, but let's get to the big 12 championship game. Cause you're, you're going out of town coming up. Um, the big question coming into this game, Colby is, is Gary Bohannon or is it Jerry or Gary? Did we ever decide? We did not ever decide. Let's call him Gary, Jerry, kind of like the- we do with Jeff Jeff. <laughs> He's just, he's Gary Jerry. I mean, this is the most confusing first name of all time. It's spelled G-E-R-R-Y. That could be Jerry or Gary, I whatever. Also, on every, on every Baylor broadcast, I hear it pronounced differently. So how, how am I supposed to know? Exactly. That's my whole problem with it. If I just hear it one time by someone who knows, then I would be fine. But, you know, he, he really hurt his hamstring, was like screaming on the broadcast when he heard it a few weeks ago. I think Baylor's kind of put on a brave face here saying, uh, let's see here. Aranda says he's going to go through all that. We'll kind of see where he's at. And so I think he's the face of what we're doing over here. So we're excited to have him back and kind of see where it goes. I would be shocked if he played in this game. They had redshirt freshman Blake Shapin play uh, in the, in the win over Kansas state. Um, That's a huge factor, Cole, because like, Look, Bohannon didn't do much against Oklahoma State, but he hit a couple, just two or three chunk plays down the field, and his his running ability really bothered Oklahoma. And we saw Caleb Williams in the last play of the game. That was more of a busted play in a prevent. Williams didn't exactly run wild on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But if they don't have Bohannon, man, I, I already like this matchup in general, just based on the way it played out last time and just the way it shapes up. Uh, if Bohannon doesn't go... I think Oklahoma state might put up some style points. And I think they, I think they need to, to really, because we all remember that year where Baylor and TCU were trying to get it into the playoff. And then Ohio state just beat Wisconsin like 58 to nothing. And there just was no discussion to be had. And that's before we got to the helmet, the helmet metric. And that's before we get to Bob Bowlesby, the brilliant mind that he is handing out two trophies as he trumpeted one true champion for the entire season. But I don't know, Colby. I, I really like this matchup for OSU. 
Uh, yeah, pure brilliance from Bob Bowlesby. He never, uh, he never fails to deliver. So Gary Jerry was out warming up. Jerry. <laughs> Gary Jerry. He was out warming up Saturday before the Baylor-Texas Tech game. He was dressed, full pads, helmet, all that. He was out. He was dressed. He was warming up. Didn't look great. They went in and took him out on Monday of this week. Dave Aranda said that Gary Jerry would participate in practice, but it would be kind of a walkthrough to see where he's at in rehab from the pulled hamstring. Look, this is the conference championship game. If he's if he's even remotely close to going, I think he's going to try to go. Now, maybe it comes down to doctors. I don't know. But there is some uncertainty there, which means Oklahoma State going into the game gets to prepare for two quarterbacks. Now, you already saw one of them, so that makes it a little bit easier. But the backup hasn't been bad. He didn't light Texas Tech up last week, the week before. Again, he's not lighting the world on fire, but he is a competent backup quarterback. Blake Shapin is his name. So if Gary Jerry doesn't go, yes, Oklahoma State probably eats the backup alive. I mean, we've kind of seen this where backups. We saw with TCU and Texas Tech, right? Backups come in. They look great. It's like, wow, college football is fun. And then they play Oklahoma State, and it's like, wow, where is my high school, and do I have any eligibility left? So we'll, we'll see what plays out Saturday at quarterback for Baylor. To tell you the truth, unless there's just a nasty bedlam hangover, I really don't think it matters because Oklahoma State's three touchdowns better than Baylor is. Oklahoma State lost the turnover battle by three in uh, October, late September, whenever they played, and still won that game by 10 points. So Oklahoma State's the better team, and I expect a very veteran-laden team to not still be thinking about bedlam on Saturday and to get the job done. Yes, I would agree with all those points. I will say, Lincoln Riley, again, this is he, he's got too much Texas Tech in him, and he got away from the run. Kennedy Brooks averaged eight yards a carry. He had over 100 yards on 20 carries. He had some success running the football. And I think Baylor's path to winning, remember Abram Smith, uh, the running back, I think he was the one that had the long touchdown run against Oklahoma State in the first meeting. Was, he, was it him or Ebner? I can't remember, but. Abram Smith is the one that has 1,300 yards this year and 12 rushing touchdowns. I, I think that's Baylor's path is running the football. I, I thought Oklahoma ran it way better than I ever expected them to with Kennedy Brooks. So I'm a little concerned about that. But I, I certainly agree. I mean, not only did they have three turnovers, Colby, two of them started on OSU's 30-yard line and, like, 20-yard line, and they got no points out of either turnover. Like, you couldn't have put – OSU in a worse position. You couldn't have put the defense in a worse position than the first meeting against Baylor, and they still won by double digits. So I think it's a great matchup. Again, tell me if I'm crazy, Colby. Like, I think Baylor's a better football team than Oklahoma, but I'm more, I would be more worried if OSU was playing a rematch against Oklahoma than Baylor, just based on all the squinky we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I think Oklahoma and Baylor are pretty comparable. Oklahoma obviously is better on the offensive side of the ball. Baylor is obviously better on the defensive side of the ball. I think that kind of comes out in the wash, and I think that they're pretty close. Uh, but again, it's the mental aspect of beating Oklahoma doesn't exist with Baylor. You expect to beat Baylor, even the good Baylor teams. You expect to beat Baylor. I went back and looked at the box score uh, from the game earlier this season. It was Abram Smith for Baylor that had 10 carries for 97 yards. So that was basically one run. Yeah. 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 He had a 55 yard run. So the other nine carries went for 42 yards, which would be about 4.67 yards a carry. Uh, Yeah. Not bad. Uh, But Jerry Gary went 13 of 27 for 173 yards. So, I mean, again, another team that Oklahoma state held below 300 total yards. And like you said, those turnovers came in really bad spots. Uh, But again, Health for Oklahoma State is just a little bit of a concern for me. I know we're talking about the quarterback for Baylor potentially being injured. Jalen Warren was clearly not close to 100% last week against Oklahoma. The the effort that he gave, especially getting in on that touchdown after the muff punt by Eric Gray with his offensive lineman pushing him, I mean, you could tell Jalen Warren was hurting, and he still got in on that play. Uh, Josh Sills had to get an ankle taped up with nine minutes to go. He said, I've got nine minutes left on my senior night. I'm going back out there, tape it. That's football guy, Josh Sills. And then Danny Godlevsky. We don't know what his availability is. So there are a, a handful of concerns uh, for me on the offensive line and at running back for Oklahoma State with injuries. But I think they'll be able to uh, more than survive those with how elite this defense is. Yeah, I, I thought the offensive line kind of got pushed around by Oklahoma's defensive line. I think the injuries have started to to mount there with without Godlevsky, who again has been 
really been the anchor, I thought, all year for OSU's offensive line. Uh, as great, and again, I think Spencer Sanders let it all hang out. I thought it was his finest hour against Oklahoma with that touchdown run late. He started the game like 12 of 14, was really was really cutting them up, was buying time in a, a collapsing pocket. I thought he was sensational at times against Oklahoma. And I thought it was his finest hour. I really did. I thought he let it all hang out. But you, you go back and you look at it, Colby. <laughs> he had, what, two interceptions, uh, a pick six that was dropped, and a fumble that was recovered by his offensive lineman. That could be trouble against Baylor. Does that concern you at all? Because as great as Spencer was, things did get, as they tend to do sometimes, and then the ball got a little loose, got, got, got bouncing around for both teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously that's a concern because, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Oklahoma State won that game by 10 against Baylor. If Jalen Warren does not convert the fourth and two, Baylor's got two minutes to go down the field and win that game. I mean, it's 17 to 14 and Baylor has a chance. I mean, and, and they could have even just gotten in field goal range uh, and, and knocked one through to get, get it to overtime. Uh, so, yes, that's definitely a concern. Turnovers are how inferior teams stay in and win games. And we saw that this year against Baylor. The turnovers allowed Baylor to stay in that game. Oklahoma State wins that game. Uh, I mean, a couple of those interceptions that Spencer threw were down there uh, in a tough position. One of them was down whenever Oklahoma State was about to score. And Oklahoma State could have easily, easily won that game 37-14 to 14 instead of 24-14. to 14, And turnovers kept Baylor in it. So, yes, that is my one concern. If Spencer gets loose with the ball or if Oklahoma State puts it on the ground, you muff a punt, you, you know, Dominic Richardson came in and fumbled. Some of that is just bedlam and squinky, but you better make sure it doesn't happen in a Big 12 championship game because I, just in case Alabama wins on Saturday, I would just assume go out and beat Baylor by 40. Alabama beats Georgia. The, and the great thing is, though, Colby, is OSU plays first. <laughs> right. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be just – a huge distraction if Alabama beat Georgia before OSU takes the field or maybe even vice versa. Maybe if, if Georgia, maybe if Georgia beat them, it'd motivate them to even play. I don't know. It's just, they don't have to worry about it. They're playing first, go take care of business and let the chips fall where they may. But again, it, it's not squinky. It's not bedlam, but OSU's used to getting hosed and uh, man, if Cincinnati beats Houston and if Alabama beats Georgia, it's going to be some nervous times. But again, I just think if you look at the resumes, it's it's no contest. But man, just we all know what this comes down to: blue bloods, Alabama and Georgia clearly in. But that that's what's so interesting to me about it, Colby. Though is the Cincinnati versus the Oklahoma State argument. I know they're undefeated, and look, I've been trumpeting Cincinnati all year. Now I gotta, I kind of gotta walk that back. Um, because the resume is just not as good. And look, I, I will say it, it's hard to go undefeated. I don't care what conference you're in to win all of your games is, is nearly impossible. Alabama has only done it a handful of times under Nick Saban's reign. That's how hard it is. But uh, that'll be an interesting conversation. And uh, what's your, uh, I guess let's just do our pick. Or Before we get to our picks, Colby, I completely, we almost went two hours. We went like 90 minutes on the last show. I didn't do the Chris's University Spirit uniform review of one of my favorite helmets ever. I think it, I think it is my favorite helmet. I'm going there. The black helmet, the Curse of Cowboys, the stripe down the middle. Are you kidding me? That was yeah. perfection. Yeah, there was so much to get to Sunday that we just we totally spaced on the uniforms and they were I mean not that they're not always but I mean, they were elite, elite, elite. The Curse of Cowboys on the helmets, the orange and white stripe coming down the middle. It's I mean, I said earlier this year that I thought the black helmet with the stripe and just the number on the side looks so crisp and so clean and might have been my favorite. And then I think the black Curse of Cowboys took it. It was, and then black, black, orange. It was just such a good look. And again, I thought it kind of personified what the stadium was. I mean, it was a cold night, but it wasn't a cold night, but it was a chilly night. A lot of people had on their winter gear. So there was a lot of black in the stands with some orange in there as well. The black, black, orange was just, it was Unbelievable. I mean, Oklahoma State is parallel with Oregon with the best uniforms in the country. At risk of upsetting my dad, is Curse of Cowboys a better logo than the, the brand? Oh, yes. Yes. Curse it of Cowboys. It might be, phenomenal. right? Yeah. Everybody loves Curse of Cowboys. It's so good. Oh, and, and I feel like the new brand 
is divisive. You know, some people are so loyal to the old one. They don't like the new one. I've heard that a lot. I, I tend to like the new one better. I think we just get, it's kind of like when people wear any throwback uniform, everyone just automatically says they're better than the current just because they haven't seen them in a while. But if they saw them on an everyday basis, they wouldn't feel that way. That's kind of how I feel about the old brand. Like I, I like the new one better. I think it's more modern, but I would watch a 30 for 30 on who came up with curse of Cowboys, how they wound up on the basketball uniforms. I'm watching the OSU basketball game right now. There's a, a GA behind Mike Boynton with the polo with the curse of Cowboys on it. I need that polo. Where do I find that polo? Chris's email me if you have them. Um, I just, I love the curse of Cowboys and I, and I, I think we always just refer to OSU as OSU. Cowboys is such a great nickname. Like we need to put that on everything. And I, that's another reason why I love the curse of Cowboys. It's, just, it's a great nickname. They have a great mascot with pistol Pete. I just, I, I loved the helmets and black, black, orange. It's tough to beat. I love all black. I love black, orange, black. Just as we said on the last pod, Colby, just give me black and orange in any form or facet. I thought they looked outstanding. Yeah, I just, uh, the, the grays, I think the grays are about a once a season thing. The whites, I still think look really good. I thought they looked really good in Lubbock with the all whites, but I mean, it's Oklahoma state, the black and orange just doesn't get old and it, and it never misses black and orange never misses. And it certainly didn't on Saturday night. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something semi similar on Saturday. So OSU's the home team, I presume since they're higher ranked. Yeah, I would assume so. So they, they get to wear the home unis. Uh, well, let's do our uni picks before we do the actual pick of the game. I, I'm pondering. What, what are you going with? I am I think, gonna, I'm not pondering at all. I got my pick, but you go ahead first. Okay. I'm gonna, I think that they're going to wear exactly what they wore whenever they played Baylor the first time this year. It worked for them that time. Uh, I think that they're going to go back to the well. We've seen them do this in similar matchups. Now, this is different because it's the conference championship game. But black, orange, black. The black helmets with the orange, just OSU, the new new style OSU on the side, the white numbers on the orange jerseys, and then the black pants. I think they wear the same thing that they wore the first time against Baylor. Was it again? You said orange and black a bunch of times, and I got confused. Okay, black, yeah. orange, black? Black, orange, black is what they wore the first time against what? Baylor. That's what Baylor? I think they were. Do what now? Is that what they wore against Baylor? I yep, don't remember. I'm staring, I'm staring at it right now. Black, orange, black. That was going to be my pick, and I forgot they wore that against Baylor. Yep. I'm going with the same. I, I think it's one of their best looks. They usually saved it for Bedlam, uh, 2011 vibes when they, when they whipped up on OU in those unis, but not now that they have the karma behind them already wearing them. I, I think that's a real thing with the equipment staff and maybe Gundy's superstitious too, but I think, I think Gundy mostly just lets the equipment staff do what they want. And, uh, there's definitely some, some uni karma involved there. So I, I love that pick and I'm, I'm going to copy you on that. Maybe they mix up the helmet, maybe to be different, but I don't think so. I'm with you. All right, Colby, 11 and one OSU got a playoff on the line. They got a big 12 championship on the line. How do you see this game playing out and give me your pick? Uh, I think that whether Gary Jerry plays or not, the Oklahoma state defense is going to be stifling against Baylor. It's just, I mean, even with him out there, it's not like this is some sort of juggernaut. They're a solid offense. I would imagine that they'll try to lean on the run game as much as possible. You can only do that so much against Oklahoma State. I know Kennedy Brooks found some lanes last week. This is still a very good run defense. Uh, I think Oklahoma State is going to win this game. I don't think that they're going to beat them by 40, like I mentioned earlier, but I think they cover. I've, I've got it sitting here at 31 to 10, Carson. And, and by the way, before I forget, I want to let everybody know our recap of the Big 12 championship game is going to be a little later than normal because I don't get back from Arizona until like midnight Sunday night. So we won't be able to get anything out uh, until late Monday evening. So uh, it'll be a day later than usual on the recap, but we will have it coming your way. So Carson, I'm going 31 to 10. Oklahoma State wins and they do it in impressive fashion. He, you're afraid of Oklahoma like Mike Gundy is. Where, where was this pick last week? 31-10. 31-10. So, Baylor's clearly better than Oklahoma. They beat the dog crap out of them. And you're picking 31-10 in a, in a in Jerry world with all the bright lights, with all that's on the line. You just think they're going to go out and mollywop them. I mean, you, know what? you got, you know you got squinky have? running through your veins, don't you? Because you were terrified of the OU game. You know what OU has that Baylor doesn't have? OSU's number for the last 100 years. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just, I picked Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma 
34 to 10. I ain't scared of Squinky. He, he came for me and my dad on Saturday. We stared him in the eyes and we hit him over the head of the steel chair mentally. We didn't let him conquer us. As that ball was floating in the air for OU's punt, I said, he's going to drop it, Squinky. And he did. So take that. And again, I just, I, I'm with you. I, I think OSU's defense is that dominant. I predicted Oklahoma to score 10 points. You take off all the points OSU handed them. And you, I mean, it's, it, that's about what they scored against Oklahoma State. But I feel a little differently about this game. I, would, I did not like what I saw at all about Kennedy. Kennedy Brooks was running wild on, on OSU. I, I, again, I think Lincoln Riley's a moron for not handing the ball to Kennedy Brooks. He's done that all year, and he, he's clearly got too much Texas Tech running through him, too much, too much time on the leech tree. But I, I think Baylor's going to have some success running the football. And you go back to the last meeting, they hit some deep shots, and so did Oklahoma. And if Jim Knowles goes straight man-to-man, which they do a lot, and Bohannon, Gary Jerry, or the backup throw it up for grabs. I think Oklahoma State grabs a lot, and they can get a lot of penalties on interference. They, they got away with one late against Oklahoma, and I kind of think this is going to be a closer game than, than it was Oklahoma. I, I kind of think Oklahoma State wins by kind of similar to the last game, honestly, being up by like six or seven and then maybe kicking a late field goal to make it ten. I'm going to go 24-21. How about that? 24-21. I think it's going to wow. be a close game, three-point game. As And, again, I don't have any confidence at all in Baylor's offense. I just – I think they'll be able to run it, and I, I just – I don't know. I'm getting similar feelings to what I had against TCU, and they absolutely – destroyed TCU worse than they destroyed Kansas. So that maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I'll be wrong on this one. But I, I thought the game against Oklahoma played out almost exactly how I said. I said OSU would come out throwing. They did. And barring all the squinky, it, the, I thought that game would have played out exactly as I thought. But I'm I'm a little I'm a little nervous about this game. I just think, Colby, you get to November. We've seen this with OSU in years past. You get to November and a Big 12 championship literally now for the first time in the in the championship game scenario is on the line. The playoff is on the line. It's a lot different. That's why it's so hard for teams to go undefeated. That's why if Cincinnati goes undefeated, it's going to be hard to deny them because it's just, it's different, man. When you got those, when you got that waiting right there on your doorstep, it's that much harder to win. It just is. Yep. Sorry. My mic was muted. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is that much harder to win with all the pressure in the conference championship and all that stuff. I just think that there's a pretty decent gap between these two teams. I, I really do. I, I think Baylor and Oklahoma are kind of a wash, but it was just all the weird stuff last week that made that a game. I mean, Oklahoma State turned the ball over three times against Baylor, but it wasn't weird stuff. Spencer just made a couple bad throws, and then he had one hit a receiver in the face mask, popped up in the air. Like, that stuff happens. But last week with the muffed punt and the, sa- the offsides that doesn't get called on the safety and just – all the stuff that happened last week. I mean, that's why that game was close. And I just don't see all the weird stuff happening this week. Now, I mean, Oklahoma State's played at night every Saturday for like the last month. So maybe they come out slow and they give Baylor hope, you know, playing the 11 a.m. game for the first time in five weeks. Maybe they come out slow and they give they give Baylor hope and then they're in the game until the end. But um, I don't know. I think OSU wins pretty handily. By the way, the line is back up to five and a half now. It wasn't five and a half, came down to five. It's now back up to five and a half. So not really a lot of movement with the line, if anybody was wondering. I'm predicting a cover, and I'm, I'm also worried about Jalen Warren and the running game. I mean, uh, OU's D-line pretty much controlled them in the running game, and so that's a concern for me too. But I, I do think Oklahoma State wins. I just think it's going to be a little closer than – I don't think it's going to be a romp. I just, I just don't. But, I, again, I think OSU wins. I think – they're going to be tough to deny for the playoff, but again, I'm I'm exhausted just thinking about all the scenarios. But it's uh it's exciting times, Colby. I, I can't wait for the game on Saturday. Yeah, I can't wait for it either. We're going to be by the pool drinking hands, so uh, my tweeting might be lower than it would be if I was just sitting at home watching it. But I'll try to fire a few off, uh, and then we'll have the recap coming your way late Monday, early Tuesday, whenever it gets out, and hopefully we will be talking about the Big 12 champion Oklahoma State Cowboys who are headed to the college football playoff. Carson, I can't wait.
Can't wait. Send us out, Colby. We always end it with your 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 typical uh, your outro. Go ahead and send us away. We'll we'll talk to you after you get back from Arizona and, and get a tan while you're out there, will you? Oh yeah, I've got three cans of sunscreen packed already, locked and loaded. So we're good to go on the tan. Uh, all right, it's been a great week. A few more days to go. Why not make it just one of the best weeks of all time? Oklahoma State looking for that Big 12 championship and that spot in the college football playoff. Go folks.